listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Um, Today, day two of this series we're on this week, Unstoppable. We're dealing with 21 uh, laws for extraordinary uh, success in life. Good morning, Ninja. Mike Frost, what's up? Leslie, good to see you, Mike. Jennifer, good to see you. I'm glad you guys are on today. Take a minute to share it. I only have two um, announcements before we get rolling today. The first is that there's a brand new Last Gen episode uh, that's available. Did I hear the voice of God? And um, man, I wish more than anything, and I focused on this when I was a youth pastor, to get the next generation to understand the power of being led by the Spirit and how to understand if you're hearing from the Lord or if it's just you know a good idea or whatever it might be, something in your flesh. This is such a vital topic for students. I want every Christian uh, young person to know how to hear the voice of God and to follow the voice of God. It's so important. It'll save you so much hurt, pain, wasted money, wasted time. And uh, so Alex uh, dropped a new episode for The Last Gen. Go check it out. Such an important topic. And then, of course, for those of you that are going to um, uh, register for the women's conference that's coming up this coming Saturday, Flourish Conference in Indiana at Legacy Church. It's at 3 p.m. on Saturday, uh, May the 14th. Go to the website, LegacyChurchCrawfordsville.com, or you can go to our website, MiracleWord.com, and look at the schedule page. There's a link right on the schedule page that'll take you to the registration page. And so we'd love to have you with us. And then we're starting uh, Revival on Sunday there through Wednesday. It's going to be great. We would love, love to see you there. Um, J-Rod Burton. Good to see you, buddy. Hey, Kelly. Glad you're on. AJ, love you. Lisa, share the broadcast today. We're going to jump right in because, again, we've got a lot to uh, deal with. Um, Yesterday, if you missed it, we covered the first five uh, laws that we're talking about for extraordinary success. And so this, this whole week is the same topic. We're in this series. And so I'm just continuing on each day. Uh, we're going to get them all in by the time Friday's finished. But uh, today we're going to give you five more, numbers six through ten. And so if you missed it, you can go back and get it and write them down. All the comments are there. And then also somebody that was just continually... Uh, asking that I, the Holy Spirit would fall upon me, which, you know, I appreciate. However, I am already filled with the Holy Spirit. He does not leave me, nor does he forsake me. He is with me always, even to the end of the world. So <laughs> if you're back today, I appreciate your prayers, but I have the Holy Spirit already. Let's jump in. Um, we're going to deal with five more laws today for extraordinary success. Again, it should be said at the beginning of these broadcasts, and I feel like I should say it again today, for anybody that might be wondering or had poor teaching from a church that didn't understand the Bible, or uh, you you feel guilty about this, about being successful, about expanding, about increasing, which you should not, by the way, because it is God's desire that you increase. 
It is God's desire that you're successful. It is God's desire that you expand. Uh, he never calls you to diminish. He does not call you to fail. He doesn't call you to decrease. In the kingdom, it's increase. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn on the ear. God's kingdom is built upon increase. And so uh, I want you to understand that straight off, that this is not some man-made thing. God, you go all the way back to the Old Testament, all the way to the New Testament. You see God providing increase, growth, uh, and success for his people. He wants, he wants you to be successful in what he's called you to do. In your family, your relationships, finances, health, all of these things, he wants you to see success, increase, blessing. And so don't ever let the devil make you feel bad for the fact that you're increasing. Don't ever let the devil make you feel bad for the fact that you're uh, being blessed, for the fact that you're expanding. Don't ever let the enemy make you feel guilty. And don't let other uh, Christians, by the way, make you feel guilty for that as well. Um, and people will try, especially religious people. They'll try to make you feel guilty for, uh, you know, expanding in life. They'll make you feel guilty because you're being blessed. Oh, must be really nice. Must be really nice to be blessed. Must be really nice to have that. And it's like they're mocking you. It's like they're mocking you. Don't allow that to happen. And so you got to understand that first of all, or else you will feel like you shouldn't have what you have. Like you shouldn't, you know, there's this, there's this thought process. Um, and it's, it's de definitely propagated throughout Christianity that because others have less, you shouldn't have more. That that's a thought process that literally goes through Christianity. And I'm telling you, it's insane. You shouldn't have more because others have less. And so people try to shame you. How could you have that when there's so many needy people in the world? That's not how the kingdom of God works. That's not how the kingdom of God works. Read the parable of the talents. The Bible says that the master not only gave them talents based upon their previous faithfulness. This is Matthew 25. Not only did the master give them talents based upon their previous faithfulness, but also on top of that, when they did, when, when the, when they did perform and then the one did not perform, he came back and made sure that there was action taken based upon their diligence and faithfulness. So what happened? He blessed the ones that had produced with their talents. But what did he say to the one that did not produce? You wicked and lazy servant. You wicked and lazy servant. And then what did he do? He took the talent from the one that did not produce and gave it to the one that did produce the most. Right? Mike said, is it fair to say if you aren't increasing that somewhere in your life you're out of God's will? I don't think it's just fair. I think it's biblical to say that. I think it's biblical to say that God doesn't call you to decrease. Your purpose should not uh, be stagnant. What he, what he has asked you to do should flourish. Because if you're building what God's called you to build and his powers behind you, because it's his will, 
then are you telling me God's going to fail through you? No. Something somewhere is missing if you're not increasing somewhere in your life, or in what, especially in what God's called you to do. See? And so I think you're right on the money. I think that it's, it's not just fair to say that. I think it's biblical to say that. So we need to expect that kind of increase. We need, we need to expect that kind of expansion and blessing. And so, uh, and, that, and that can happen. Norm, Norman said, pain drew me back to the house of God. My life was going in a downhill spiral before that. That's true, and that does happen to people. It's sad that it happens, because it's not God's plan. It's not God's, God doesn't want to have to, you know, he doesn't teach people through pain. God doesn't provide pain to get you on track. That's, that's not how God works. God's not a child abuser. And so it's sad that it has to happen that way for some people. It does, but it doesn't mean it's God's plan. And so you have to understand God teaches us through his word. God leads us and guides us by the voice of the Holy Spirit, not through pain and suffering. So you, you start to realize that there will be religious people that will shame you for the increase you're seeing, mostly because they don't like the fact that there's now a divide between where you are and between where they are. And the sad thing is, uh, this happens in every arena of life, I've taught on it, that you know, the moment you start moving forward, there's others that wanna just do the bare minimum that start seeing that you're, what you're doing is shining a spotlight on what they're not doing. So what do they start doing? Mocking you, they start uh, making you feel bad, they start you know, shaming you for what you're doing. And, and you, that's why you can't listen to the voices that try to bring shame and criticism into your life because many times it's only because they don't like the divide that's forming between your diligence and faithfulness and their laziness, which is what the master dealt with in Matthew 25. You wicked and lazy servant. So notice, the master didn't rebuke that servant because he didn't know what to do or he didn't have enough knowledge. It's not, he didn't rebuke him because times were tough. He rebuked him and said, you're wicked and lazy. So it was the laziness that irritated the master. That's, you know, for many people, you know, laziness is a major factor, a sad major factor. You know, have you ever, have you ever wondered, you look at it like, like even now, what's going on right now in our world, you have, uh, you have people that won't go back to work. They won't go back to work. There's places, that, you, have, you see how much money places are paying because they have no workers available. You know, restaurants, fast food chains even. There were fast food chains all around that were uh, here, Virginia, other places I went, Rome, Georgia, $35 an hour to flip burgers at McDonald's, $35 an hour. There was a place that was uh, Taco Bell and Arby's doing $1,000 sign-on bonuses and then paying those kind of wages because they can't get anybody to work. I pulled into a Taco Bell in one state that was closing down at 4 p.m. because they had no workers for the next shifts. People are staying home and collecting unemployment or whatever rather than going to get a job because of what happened through the pandemic and all that. It's the same symptom. It's laziness that is, that is taking place in our nation and other nations. And God, is, God hates 
laziness. He hates it. God hates slothfulness. And the Bible speaks about that. And so don't ever feel bad because you're diligent, faithful, and God's increasing you. Don't ever feel bad for that reason. God wants you to increase. God wants to bless you. So I want you to catch this with me. We're doing five, five more laws today. Uh, and the first one, which is number six of the list, six out of the 21, is people that are unstoppable, people that are blessed, blessed, people that are extraordinarily successful are people that place a demand on being debt-free. That's number six. Put it in the comments. Unstoppable people seek to be debt-free. And I mean seriously seek it. Unstoppable people, number six, are people who seriously seek to be debt-free. Being debt-free puts you in a kind of a, a strength and a power that nothing else does. Listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 22 and uh, verse 7. This is Proverbs 22 and verse 7. The rich rules over the poor. And the borrower is a slave to the lender. Scroll up to one. What if you don't want to work because you want to be in full-time ministry? Always feel like it's a waste of time because you're not doing something in ministry. Not quite sure what that means. The full-time ministry is work. <laughs> I run a ministry. All of the people that work with me, we work hard and we're working nonstop. If you're at the place where you're in the beginning of your ministry, there may not be as much to do. But if you're called in full into full-time ministry, you should seek it. You should absolutely seek it. But let me tell you, ministry is, as my father always said, ministry is spelled W-O-R-K. Ministry is work, and you're constantly working, and you're working. It's like, it's like being an entrepreneur. You work more than people that work a job. I don't work nine to five. You know, so there's, there's days we're working 12 hours. I mean, we work. And so I'm not quite sure what Juan means by that, but uh, you need to be working. And the Bible says if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an infidel. So you don't use the fact, well, I want to be in ministry to not work. You work. There was, listen, when I was in the beginning of my ministry and I wasn't going out every single week and slammed like we are now, I did other things that I had talents to do and made money. Why? To bless my family. To bless my family. So if I wasn't traveling every single week, hitting the road hard, I was working on what skills God's given me. And I was working hard and bringing money in to bless my, and support my family and to be a giver in the kingdom. So you've got to work. You have to work. The Bible says those that don't work should not eat. That means that they weren't in the early church putting up with laziness in the church. God hates laziness. Read that in, in Proverbs chapter six. Uh, consider the ant, you sluggard, that without anybody driving them to work, they work anyway. They're self-motivators is what, what the writer of Proverbs is trying to teach. Those that are supposed to be considering the ant are supposed to be noticing they are self-motivators. They don't need a manager coming to their desk every 
two hours. Like, hey, we need to get back to work. I need those reports from you. Hey, listen, I know you're still on lunch. I need you to get back to the office. There's work. They don't need a manager to be stopping by their desk every two hours. He's saying, consider the ant. Though they have no one ruling them, no one slave driving them, they work nonstop to make sure they're storing up food. Self-motivators. And that's what successful people should be. And one of the things you need to be self-motivated to do is to get out of debt. Get out of debt. No credit card debt hanging over your head. Student loan debt hanging over your head. You know, I honestly think that people don't understand truly the power of, of being debt free, of what it is. You know, and the reason I know they don't is because they have a bunch of credit card debt, they have a bunch of student loan debt or whatever it might be, and they're still spending money on stuff that they don't even need. They're not prioritizing getting out of debt. They're not prioritizing it whatsoever. You know that people don't understand the power of being debt free when they're carrying credit card debt month after month, they're carrying student loan debt and other things, and they're still out buying, you know, making frivolous purchases. <laughs> and, and you can see it very clearly. That's the majority of America. It's the majority of America. The Bible calls us to get rid of debt. It's not a sin to be in debt, but it is unwise to stay in debt. No question. Why? Here's why. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. If you're in debt, you're a slave. If you are in debt, you are a slave. If you owe money that can be called, if a loan can be called on you, if things can be taken away from you, you are a slave. You are a slave. Um, and so it's just something the Bible teaches. We understand it. And so what do we do? We work hard to keep debt out of our lives. Part of that is understanding contentment. Paul taught that contentment in whatever state I find myself. I am content. Contentment is massive. Contentment is massive. What our culture has tried to do is to keep everyone at all times discontent at all times because that that's what drives purchases that's what drives people to spend money they they market to you to become uh discontent with the things you currently have what you really need is this new and improved this is what you need you got to have this this is much better than what you have you'd be so much cooler if you owned this and so marketing does its best to try to make the purchasers discontent with what they already have so that they'll go and spend more money. And most of the time it's things they truly do not need. And it's especially harmful when you're already in debt and rather than putting all that extra towards getting your debts paid off, you're just making more frivolous purchases. There is power in contentment. There is power in being debt free. Imagine, I mean, think about it. Just imagine for a moment if you had no payments. Like, what could you do with your life if you had no payments? You had no credit card payments. You had no student loan payments. You had no medical debt payments. You had no car payments. Imagine if you didn't even have a mortgage. And uh, it's, it's insane, too. I was looking at... Um, I was reading about the life story of uh, uh, Dave Ramsey, who's a financial guy. You, many of you know who he is. 
And he was saying that's the thing that caused him to be financially destroyed at the early part of his life, is that he was in debt up to his eyeballs, leveraged, mortgaged up to his, like literally the top of his head, and then all of his loans got called at one time, and he didn't have the capital to pay them, and so he went bankrupt. Well, what was the deal? He was just using debt as much as he could and didn't have any ability to pay it. He's a slave. That's what caused him to go bankrupt. He was a slave to the debt that he had. And so there's a power in being debt-free. Oh, absolutely. AJ said, it's a misunderstanding of cash flow. If you'll free up your money coming in, you can do so much more than you realize. It's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And that's God's desire. God doesn't want you to be a slave to the lender. He wants, you know, what was his promise to Israel? You will lend to many nations and you will not borrow. That was his promise to Israel, his covenant with them. You will lend to many nations and you will not borrow. And look today, the Jewish people still to this day, in whatever situation they find themselves. It makes me laugh. I was listening to um, a comedian talk about um, when he had first met Jerry Seinfeld, who obviously, as you know, is Jewish. And um, he said they had both moved to New York at the same time to start stand-up comedy. And he said they were all looking around and he said he ran back into Jerry Seinfeld maybe nine months to a year later. And he, he was kind of complaining to Jerry about how hard it is to find an apartment in New York to rent. And he said, man, Jerry, I've been, having, I've been having such a hard time finding a place to rent. He's like, I've looked everywhere through New York and I can't hardly find a place to rent anywhere. He said, have you had, have you had problems finding a place to rent? And he said, Jerry just looked back at him, like kind of with a disgusted look, confused, and was like, Jews don't rent. <laughs> that cracked me up because it's like, that was so, it, not only was it true, it was, it was like a reinforcement of that, the covenant that God made with Israel. You'll lend, you'll not borrow. He was making the point. Jews don't rent, we own. We own things. And so uh, when you're a slave to the lender, there's so many things you cannot do. So many things that you're limited in doing. People can't even give like they want to give because they're a slave to the lender. They've got so much going out to bills, to debts, that they can't even give like they want to give. I can guarantee you this, Everybody that says, well, I can't afford to tithe. I could look at your life and prove to you that you could if you stayed content with what you had. I can prove it. Almost everybody in America is living beyond their means. Almost everyone. We're talking over 90% of people in America are living beyond their means because we've been lied to that we have to have all of these things. When the Bible's very clear. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these other things will just be added unto you. And it's not talking about spiritual things. If you read the context, he's talking about natural things. Where will we live? Where will we sleep? What will we wear? What will we eat? Normal things. He said, don't worry about those things. That's what unbelievers worry about, sinners. He said, no, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things will just be added unto you. They'll just be added unto you. And that's the key. Seeking God first. I mean, look back at the early church. Even the first century church 
at the very beginning in the book of Acts, the Bible says there were no needs among them whatsoever. They had no needs. And if anything arose that became a need, immediately people stepped up, sold their possessions and provided for the need. There was excess. There was no need. There was no debt. They were blessed. See? And so the key being, God wants us out of debt. He wants us out of the place where we are a, a servant to the lender. And anybody that is uh, unstoppable, we're, talk, we're calling this, that is seeing extraordinary success, they're not people that continue to live in debt for 30 years. They get debt-free as fast as possible. I'm encouraging those of you that are watching, become debt-free as quickly as possible. Get out of credit card debt. Get out of medical debt. Get out of student loan debt. Pay your car up. Everything you can do. Get out of debt as soon as possible. You know, if, if you don't know how, you know, use some of these uh, trusted principles. Look at, look at the things Dave Ramsey's produced. Look at the total money makeover. Understand the baby steps. Get out of debt. Live debt free. And once you get out, stay out. There was a time Carolyn and I had credit card debt hanging over our head, especially at the beginning of our marriage. And we made the decision that once we were out, we're not just out, we are staying out. We're never going back in. We are never going back in. Getting out and staying out. That means a life change in the principles of the way you live. Amen. And that's a scriptural thing. That's not a natural thing. God doesn't want us to be borrowers. He wants us to be lenders. Hallelujah. I mean, imagine this. What if you were not the one renting a house anymore, but owning multiple houses that you rented to other people? What if you were not the one who, uh, you know, was, was uh, whatever, buying a car? What if you went out and bought three pre-owned cars and you sold them, but you sold them with payments and you did the, the financing with somebody and you were making interest on the car payments? They were paying you. You're the bank. You see what I mean? There's so many things you can do when you have the money to do it. And it's key. It's key. Unstoppable people seek to be debt-free as soon as possible. I'm declaring that for you in Jesus' name. Make it a burning desire in your spirit. Ask God in prayer to give you a hate for debt. Ask him to give you a hate for debt. And God will help you. Especially when he knows your heart. Because, see, he's the one that gives seed to the sower. If he knows that your heart is to be a blessing in the kingdom of God, guess what? He's going to put all of his resources behind you because he knows that the more you have available, the bigger of a giver to the kingdom you'll be, the more you'll bless the poor, etc. He'll put his help behind you. If you're a sower and a tither, guess what? Heart, let, me, let me say this to you real quick. I've had people come in and talk to me and say, well, I've tried that giving and, and tithing thing. It just doesn't work for me. I'm still having issues. I've actually sat down with people as I've shared with you before. They said, like, I'm still having problems. I don't know what the deal is. I'm in financial straits. I said, let's sit down and figure it out. And when I sit down and figure it out, it's not that they're not being blessed. It's that they have no control over where the blessing is going. And sometimes don't even know where the blessing is going. I sat down with one guy, went through all of his finances. And at the end of the, at the, end of the day, I was like, here's $1,500 a month. I said, where's that money at? Because we figured all of his bills, 
all of his stuff and his pay. I said, here's 1500 extra a month. Where's that? He, he told me, I don't know. I don't know where it's going. He had no idea where $1,500 a month was going. Didn't know at all. That's what's happening. The Bible says in one passage that people are putting their money in a bag that has holes in it. So it's going in and it's flowing right out the bottom and they have no idea where their money's going. And so that's the key. You have to know. You have to know what's going on and you have to be a steward of the blessing that is coming into your life and prioritize being debt-free. Number seven. Number seven. The seventh law for unstoppable people that are extraordinarily successful. They're constantly building knowledge and wisdom. So important, so vital. They are constantly building knowledge and wisdom all the time. Actually, I'll say it this way. There's nothing more vital in your life than wisdom. Nothing. Nothing. They are constantly building knowledge and wisdom. Every day. Well, part of that is because you start to realize God wants you to have wisdom. James chapter 1 and verse 5, the Bible says, Do any of you lack wisdom? Let him ask of God, who will give to all liberally and will not rebuke him for asking. So notice that. James 1 5, the Bible says, If you're a person that needs more wisdom, ask God to give it to you. He'll give it liberally and he won't rebuke you for asking for wisdom. Why? He wants you to have wisdom, He wants you to be wise. No question about that. Wisdom is the premier thing. Wisdom is the premier thing. Understand me when I'm saying this. It is, and I'm going to show you from Scripture. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 2 now. Proverbs chapter 2. How do we receive it? Well, we ask God for it, but look at this. Proverbs 2.6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. From his mouth. So what has come from the mouth of God? This word comes from the mouth of God. So one of the ways you'll find wisdom is by studying the word of God. Studying the word of God. What's another way that you'll find wisdom? Studying to show yourself approved. Studying in the field in which you work, what you live, whatever it might be. But what else? By the wisdom of the Holy Spirit who speaks to you and teaches you all things. Hallelujah. Speaks to you and teaches you all things. So we have the help of God's word. We have the help of the Holy Spirit. And then we have the ability to study to show ourselves approved. And that's what wisdom comes from the mouth of God. Listen to this passage right here. Listen to the power of wisdom. This is Proverbs 4, verses 5 through 9. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, that is wisdom, and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. 
She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Notice that. All of those things wisdom will do for you. What will they do? The Bible says she'll exalt you. She'll honor you. She'll place on your head graceful garland and bestow on you a beautiful crown. You'll go higher. You know, the more problems that you can solve, the more you'll be sought out. Wisdom is key. Wisdom is key. And it's the most powerful thing that you could obtain from God. Wisdom. Godly wisdom. Listen to this. Proverbs 19.8. Whoever gets sense or wisdom loves his own soul. And he who keeps understanding will discover good. And so uh, prosperity, increase, they come from wisdom. You, all of a sudden, you've got a great idea from the Lord. All of a sudden, you're pursuing that. You're getting wisdom surrounding it. All of a sudden, guess what? You're going higher than you've ever been. You become unstoppable. People that have more wisdom than others have the ability to do things others don't even understand how to do. Don't even understand how to do. I was telling somebody the other day um, a story about what happened when I used to be a youth pastor And uh, I may have told it to you before. I went to do a youth conference one time and I decided now I'd been working on all these things, how to do graphics, how to use the computers and all the different creative elements, build websites, all those different things. Uh, I knew how important it would be, especially in what I was doing. And so I just had, you know, letting the Holy Spirit teach me, studying to show myself approved. I never, never took any classes. I was just going at it and applying myself, being diligent, being faithful. So I, I designed and created this. Uh, handout, full color handout uh, for everything I was going to be speaking on, had all the, all the keys, the points, whatever. And I got there, I'd printed them, I, I brought them and I was, I, I gave them to the youth pastor and I said, Hey, I'm going to hand these out to the students. This is what I'll be speaking on. And he was looking at those and he's like, man, this is awesome. He said, man, I really wish I could do stuff like this. He said, but I'm not, I'm just not good with computers. And I just rebuked him. I said, well, I thought you were filled with the Holy ghost. And he was kind of taken back by that. He's like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I am filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, then why are you saying you can't do things or you're not good at things? I said, the Holy Spirit teaches you all things. You have the ability, you have an advantage that others do not have to obtain wisdom and knowledge. You have the Holy Spirit who is your teacher. I said, what do you think? The Holy Spirit can teach you all things except computers, except Photoshop, except how to edit videos, except how to make websites. No, the Holy Spirit can teach you all things things. He's omniscient. He has all knowledge. So you start to understand that knowledge and wisdom allow you to do things that other people don't even have the first clue of how to do them. But when you start to do them, guess what? You're sought after. You're paid more. Why do you think people that are proficient in their gifts and talents are paid more than amateurs are? Because they can do it at a much higher level because they have more wisdom and understanding. Do you want to call someone who's the best at doing something or the worst at doing something? (laughs) Obviously, you want access to the best. What makes them the best? They have the most wisdom and understanding and knowledge of that subject. And that's what I want. If you had a serious plumbing issue in your house, you don't want somebody that's their first time ever doing plumbing. You want a plumbing expert so that you're not paying even more and more and more money out of pocket and having your, you want the best. Let me tell you, if you're getting ready to have a life-changing, really a life-saving surgery, 
Do you want a guy that's just learning how to do surgeries or do you want an expert in that field of surgery? I want the best. <laughs> I want the best guy working on me. Not a guy that's like testing me out for his career. Well, guess what happens? The, the, better, per, the better that you uh, pursue, the more they cost. The more they cost. You know, to have the best attorney in the nation is going to cost a whole lot more than a court-appointed attorney, which really is not going to cost you anything. See what I mean? So the more wisdom you build, the more understanding you have, the more in demand you are, the more blessed, the more blessed you are. The, more, the higher you can rise because you know things, you have insights that other people do not have. And this is one of the areas where I'm surprised more Christians don't take advantage because they have access to the voice of the Holy Spirit and they have the mind of Christ. They have the ability to understand what others don't have the, the ability to understand. I'm surprised by how many believers are satisfied with the status quo in life, business, ministry, whatever. They don't even apply themselves. It's like they don't even care, but they have the greatest advantage that you could possibly have. And I'm blown away, constantly blown away. See, the Victory Tribe, we are not like that. We are not like that. We are those that pursue and pursue, that are diligent, that are faithful, that are constantly learning, constantly building wisdom, knowledge, insight. We'll be the best in what we do. Whatever we set our hands to do, it will be blessed. It will be blessed. And wisdom and knowledge. You know, it blows my mind that Paul is like at the end of his life. Second Timothy, the last letter that he ever wrote. And he's still calling. Hey, when you come visit me, bring my notes, bring my parchments, bring my papers. Bring... He's like, I'm still studying. I'm in prison in Rome waiting for execution, but I am still studying. I am still building knowledge. I am still getting insights. He never stopped. He never stopped. Why? People that are unstoppable are always seeking knowledge and wisdom. Always seeking knowledge and wisdom. Which means, let me hit you with uh, number eight. This is point number eight we'll get on. Uh, that means those people are quick to listen and slow to speak. Point number eight, law number eight. Unstoppable people are quick to listen, slow to speak. Let me, let me explain what I mean by that. If you go to James uh, chapter 1. James chapter 1. James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so get this now, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So unstoppable people are quick to listen. You know, when you're in a conversation with somebody, one thing I realize is I already know all the things I know. I want to know the things you know. And very often, if I'm having conversations with people, much to like, I'll, I'll go into like straight up interrogation mode. I like to, I question people. I like to, I like to know what they know. I like to get into their insights. I want to know what they know about things. Especially 
if I'm around people that are really producing? I've got questions. Do you know what keeps people from asking questions? Pride. Pride, insecurity, keeps people from asking questions. But James 1.19 says that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. So I've got questions for people, man. I've been asking questions this last two months. I've been seeking people out and asking questions, just getting insights, figuring out things that I don't know yet, and trying to grow in wisdom, grow in knowledge for things that I, I don't really have. I'm beginning my knowledge in those areas, but I don't have it yet. And so what am I doing? Finding people that have been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and getting their wisdom imparted to me through advice. Pride and insecurity keeps you from asking questions. But those that are unstoppable are quick to listen, slow to speak. And I'm seeking out. You always want to be seeking out wisdom. But this is how you do it. When you get into, into a question, like, I'll tell you one thing. People know me so much, even especially if I get around a minister, I've told you this before, that has changed their generation, that's changed their nation or changed multiple nations. I'll ask them questions. I'll say, listen, would you tell me if you went back in time to speak to the younger version of yourself? You know, that's always the first question I'll ask ministers. If you went back in time to tell me, uh, what would you say to the younger version of yourself now that you've lived and you're older, you're 60, you're 70, whatever? What would you tell to the 30-year-old you or the 40-year-old you or the 20-year-old you? And, I, and I'll have them think about that. And many times no one's asked them that before, so they have to think about it. But why do I want to know that? I don't want to get around people and be like, let me tell you what I've been doing in the ministry. I don't need to tell them what I've been doing. I want to know, especially those that are making an impact, what would you go back? What have you learned that you would do differently? What, what have you learned? What am I doing? I'm being quick to listen, slow to speak. They don't need to hear what I have to say. I need to hear what they have to say. See what I mean? That's the kind of mindset that will cause you to become unstoppable. Because you're, what are you doing? This is an avenue where you're squashing pride and insecurity and just accumulating useful wisdom and knowledge everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. And then let me say this as an add-on to this number eight. As you're quick to listen, as you're quick to uh, uh, retain knowledge, have a way to organize and log that knowledge. This is like 8B. It's part of the same, same point. Quick to listen, slow to speak. And it's really, it's really part of a, a 7 as well. These, these go together, but this is a, a B part of it. Have a way to log and organize that wisdom and knowledge. Have a way. Have a way. You know, what good, I mean, your, your mind will fail you over time. You can't remember everything you've ever been told. You can't be, remember everything you've ever heard. Your mind is finite. Your mind is finite. So you have to have a secondary way to log the information and the wisdom and the insights that you've received in the past. You know, if, if and organize it in such a way that you could recall it for a useful purpose, right? Uh, so... We use multiple things here at the ministry uh, to keep ourselves uh, on track in that way. So, you know, for years I've used Microsoft OneNote. It's a great app to, to retain uh, all that knowledge and it's searchable, it's trackable. 
we've, we've moved over to using Notion, which is an awesome app that is, allows you to do much of the same thing, but with more parameters than OneNote does. And you can log all this. You know, a journal that is able to be categorized and organized so that you can pull that information back up. So if, if, you're, if you're in business and you're trying to do all this study on marketing, for example, and you're researching marketing for your business, and you're researching marketing and all marketing tactics and Facebook marketing and Instagram marketing and all these other things. Um, you know, use something like Notion or OneNote to have folders where you're, you're either sending these articles you find online or making notes from books you've read or whatever and tagging it under that marketing label. Another thing we use is called Readwise. And Readwise is an app that when you read Kindle books or, and several other things, Anything you highlight is automatically sent to the Notion app to be logged. Anything you highlight. So you'll never lose the things that you've wanted to remember. So that at any time, you, could, you might come back three years from now and say, what were all those things I learned about marketing? You can just open up OneNote or open up Notion and just type in marketing. And everything you've ever logged or written down or taken notes on or highlighted on marketing will pop back up in the search. And you can reread all of the things you've written, all the things you've learned, all the things you've highlighted. Yes, you obtained that knowledge, but then you also organized it, categorized it, and stored it for future use. What good does it do to have all of those things at your disposal if you can forget them and never find them again or never use them again? That's why I encourage people to use a digital way. Don't fill up composition notebooks and put them in a bookshelf. There's no way to use that later without reading through every single thing you've ever written. It's a terrible, terrible way to log knowledge and insight. Use all, we have so many free things at our disposal, like OneNote and Notion. Free. And we can use it on our phones, tablets, laptops, whatever we have. Anything God speaks to you regarding a subject, you can log it. Ministers, you should have all those subjects, all those all those areas of doctrine, all those areas where the Lord's speaking to you and notes are going under each one of those sections. So if you ever want to go back in and say, what all has the Lord showed me about prayer? Boom. In one place, every bit of wisdom and knowledge or things that other ministers have told you or that you've read in their books. Boom. One place can be recalled with one search. All those insights are available to you if you're preparing a sermon, whatever it might be, writing a book. And we need to use things like this because we're, you know what that is? That's being a steward of the wisdom and knowledge God's given you. The apps that we use, Ann, are called Microsoft OneNote is one of the ones I use. But we've switched over to a lot of it to an app called Notion, N-O-T-I-O-N. And Readwise. Tiffany's putting them in the comments for everybody. You can download them and use them for free. Readwise doesn't have a cost, right? Readwise is the only one that has a cost because it's, it's quite an amazing service. So there's, there's the three that I mentioned, Microsoft OneNote, Notion, and Readwise. Yeah, that's one way to do it. Notes is just a little bit more limited, Diane, than, than OneNote and Notion because it's only got one level of organization, really. Two if you count the folders. And you, there's so much more available to you to organize color coding and, and themes and full word processing. And I mean, it's, you can put any kinds of things in there, pictures, you can send links, you can do videos, you can do anything. It's amazing. But you're being a steward 
of what you are being given by others, by God. We always think of stewardship regarding money and finances. But if we know that wisdom is the most important thing we could ever receive, then we need to be stewards of the wisdom and the insight that God's given us. Stewards of wisdom and insight. I want you to just make a vow in the comments, put in the chat, I will become a steward of wisdom and insight. This is probably one of the most important and life-changing things you could ever do. I will be a steward of wisdom and insight. I will be a steward of wisdom and insight. So very important. Number nine. Unstoppable people keep their lives in proper order. And I'm talking about prioritization. Unstoppable people keep their lives in proper order. That's number nine. You say, well, what do you mean by proper order? Yes, Cameron. OneNote and Notion have apps. You can use it on your phone. You can use it on your tablet, laptop, whatever you have. You can use it on the go. Number nine, they keep their lives in proper order. What do I, what do I mean by they keep their lives in proper order? I mean prioritization. And the proper order for your life is this. God is first. If you're married, your spouse is second in priority. If you have children, your children are third. And then your purpose and your calling is fourth and final. And I've seen the problems when people try to mix those things up and it does cause problems. It does cause problems. You can't put your purpose and your calling before your relationship with God or your purpose and calling will fall apart. As it's been famously said so many times before, people have gotten so busy with the work of the Lord that they forgot the Lord of the work. People have gotten so busy with the work of the Lord that they've forgotten the Lord of the work. And you've got to keep God first in your life. Your personal relationship with the Lord has to be first. Luenda's asking about parents in that, uh, in that equation. So your life with God is first. Your spouse, if you have one, is second. Um, your children are third and your purpose is fourth. Um, especially if you don't have a spouse. The Bible calls us to honor our father and mother, Right? Honor your father and your mother. And so you don't, uh, and this, is a, this is something that needs to be taught on regularly because there's so much of a mess in, in these areas. But when you as a man or woman are called into a marriage relationship, you're supposed to leave your father and mother and cling to your spouse. And so you never allow that other relationship to bleed in and mess with the spousal relationship. But that doesn't mean you stop honoring your parents. You continue to honor uh, your parents. Uh, Luenda says, hers is God, parents, church, and ministry, and work. That's right. That's last. Work, uh, secular work, obviously, always last. However, Luenda is also ministering while she works. 
And so she's, she's ministering to those that are in need, those that are addicted, those that are strung out, those that are in rehab. She's ministering to them as part of her work, though that's not her work title or her, her job title. As a Christian, she's doing the work of the Lord in those places. <clears throat> and so uh, she's put God first. And so she's also taking care of her mom. Well, that's honorable. That's honorable. She's honoring her mother. She's honoring her mother. You keep your relationship with God first. Spouse, I've seen people put their children before their spouse. And that becomes a problem. Because they prioritize their kids, their spouse is second place. And all of a sudden that relationship with the spouse starts to, to, to pull apart. Oh, then what happens? Well, at some point, guess what? Your kids are going to grow up and become adults and move out of your house and get their own spouses. And what's left? The thing that's left is two people that their relationship really dissolved because they put the kids before themselves. And now they're just roommates in a house. And if they can, they have to rekindle the intimacy and that same thing they had before children. But many times it's hard because you've spent 20 years without it. And that's why it's so important right after your relationship with the Lord is your relationship with your spouse, then your children, and then your work. I've seen people lose their children and lose their wife or husband because they put their ministry or their career over their family. And that will destroy you. See, if you get any of these priorities out of line, it will bring destruction. I don't want destruction in my relationship with the Lord. I don't want destruction in the relationship with my spouse. I don't want it with my kids and I don't want it in my ministry. So I put them all in their proper places of priority so that they're not destroyed. So that they're not destroyed. What good would it do? Can you imagine? I mean, think about it. Even for being a minister, the Bible says in order to even be an elder or a deacon, you have to rule your own house well with children that respect you and that love the Lord and serve the Lord. Do you realize? It's like recently, uh, Pastor John Piper <laughs> was making it known that if his elders asked him to, he'd be willing to step down from the ministry because his son, who is a full-grown man, is, is now an open atheist, an active atheist. You know, mocking the church, mocking Christianity, everything that his father does. And in humility, he said, I would be willing to step down from my pastoral position because my son does not serve the Lord and my son is not uh, respecting the work of the Lord. Well, even to be an elder, your, your children have to serve the Lord and to, uh, and to respect and honor you. So how would I be, I would be totally doing myself a disservice if I'm traveling all over the world, seeing people saved all over the place and my kids don't even serve the Lord. My wife doesn't even serve the Lord. My own home, people are going to hell, but around the world I'm seeing people saved. What a waste of time for me and it looks like a failure because if I truly was impactful as I should be, why aren't my kids serving God? Why isn't my wife serving God? Why, are they, why do they hate the ministry? Why do they hate being in the ministry? Why do they hate the fact that I'm in the ministry? Something's wrong. Something is wrong. Something's wrong. And so you put these in their proper order and, and, and it'll be a blessing. Either, whether you're in full-time ministry or not, 
even as your career, your calling, your purpose, you still have to keep the same order. God is first, your spouse is second, your children are third, your purpose, your career is final. And that keeps that blessing flowing in the house. People that are unstoppable. It's, let me tell you, it's pretty hard to be unstoppable when your wife hates you, when your husband hates you. You know what I'm saying? Pretty hard when you're just battling constant turmoil at home to be unstoppable and extraordinarily successful. Why? It steals from you, your joy. It steals from you peace. It steals from you momentum. See, those things have to be in place if you're going to continue moving forward in a strong way. Let me give you the final one for today. Number 10, unstoppable people fiercely guard their relationships. Put that in the comments. Number 10, unstoppable people fiercely guard their relationships. They understand that relationships, who you are connected to is everything. It's everything. I refuse to let people that are not headed in the same direction as God has called Christians to go link up with me. Why would I spend my time? Why would I link up with people? Why would I spend time that's valuable? That doesn't mean I don't minister to those that are not saved. It doesn't mean that I don't uh, uh, love them or, or share the word of God with them. It's not what I'm talking about. But what business do I have being best friends with a person that doesn't even serve the Lord. Let me ask that question. Because there's a lot of Christians that they have, well, we've known each other since high school. Well, we've, we've known each other for so long. I, I, I couldn't find it. In my, I could never cut them off. What business do I have being best friends with a person that doesn't even serve the Lord? Paul encouraged the Corinthian church, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. For what relationship does light have with darkness? None. What relationship do Christ and the devil have? None. And so what business do I have linking myself? Well, we do everything together. You know, I know he's not saved, but we do everything together. What business do I have linking myself up with somebody that doesn't serve, you know what's going to happen? Is there's always going to be tension. Their spirit is pulling in one direction. My spirit is pulling in another direction. I want to please the Lord. Their spirit has no desire to please the Lord. And so there's going to always be problems. Always going to be problems in those areas. When you link up with the wrong people. And so these, these relationships are vital. As the Bible says... That's exactly right, AJ. So many people are friends purely because of proximity. Well, we sat beside each other in, in chemistry for three years. Well, we've worked together at the restaurant for six years. What does that have to do with anything? Find people that are headed in the same direction you're headed. How can two walk together unless they be agreed, the Bible says? How can two walk together unless they be agreed. Or that's right, Luenda. Some people make friends just because of loneliness. They need someone around. And so 
Let me, let me deal with this. Proverbs 27, verse 17, we quoted it yesterday. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. You don't need friends that are dulling your blade. You need friends that are sharpening your blade. They're not dulling your blade. They're sharpening your blade. Now, here's an interesting story that I've used often for this, uh, for this point. Look, look at how powerful this is. In Luke chapter 15, get this in your spirit. Luke chapter 15, uh, let's read starting with, um, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, let's start reading with um, verse 17. Luke 5, 17. The Bible says, On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and led him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, that's, that's so powerful. He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began questioning, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus perceived their thoughts and answered them. Why do you question in your hearts? Which is it easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise up, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before him, healed. Took his, friend, took his bed and went home. Think about this now. Here's a man who could not go anywhere or do anything. He was paralyzed, laying on a mat. Did you ever get this in your spirit? What if he didn't have these friends who understood the power of Christ like he did, who had faith like he did. You say, well, how do you know they had faith? Well, from their actions, but also the Bible says, and Jesus seeing their faith, not the man's faith, all of their faith, all of their faith. That means the friends had faith too, which you can see by their works. Faith without works is dead. What were their works? They picked up his mat, his bed. They carried him to the house where Jesus was. Seeing there was no way to get in, they climbed up onto the roof and they pulled the tiles off and they lowered the man down in front of Jesus. See, all those actions were proof of their faith and Jesus seeing their faith. And what took place? The man got a miracle because his friends also had faith. Those are the kinds of people I want in my life. That if I'm ever down, if I'm ever feeling like, you know, whatever it might be, if I'm ever feeling like I've missed it or whatever, I want friends that'll pick me up by faith that will say, no, you're not finishing here. That's what you need. This is not your end. You're not finished. The devil's not going to write the last chapter of your life. And they'll pick you up and they'll encourage you and they'll help you to where you're called to be. Friends that will, that will speak faith into you. Friends that will encourage you to move forward. Not people like, yeah, you know, it is a rough life. You know, sometimes life gives you lemon. I don't need those kinds of friends. You imagine these guys being like, well, you're paralyzed. You know, there's really no cure for that. You know, even if we did bring you over to that Jesus, what's he even going to do? You know, it's, it's not for everybody, brother. 
You know, there's people like that. I don't want them in my life. I don't want them in my life. I want people that are moving in the same direction that I'm moving, that have faith, that will speak faith into my life. See? That will speak faith into my life. That's what I want. That's what I want. Hallelujah. And God will, God will bring those kinds of people to you. He watches to see that you're obeying his word. I refuse. I've separated myself. I've separated myself from people who do not care about the word of God, the laws of God, the instructions of God. See, that's the thing that I've always been confused about. Why would I want to team up with people that don't care anything about this? When this is the most important thing in my life. This word is the most important thing in my life. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the word made flesh. First, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. But this is the word God gave us, the parameters of life that bring us into victory that keep us in line with God's blessing. Why would I want to team up with somebody who doesn't care anything about not only reading it, obeying this? They've got different ideas. Well, that, you know, they'll say stuff like this. Well, that's good for you, but you know, that's not, I don't really hold to the Bible. I've never really been religious. <laughs> I'm not much of a church goer. They use verbiage like that. I have no, I have no desire to be with you then. None. Because this is the most important thing in, it's not a side thing, it's not a hobby, it's not a minimal part of my life, it is my life. Everything else is secondary. This is my life. So why would I want to team up with people that just don't care? I don't want to. I want relationships that are moving me forward. And that's why you see, unstoppable people fiercely guard their relationships. Fiercely guard. Yeah, well, that's your truth. That's another thing you'll hear. That's your truth. It's not my truth. Postmodernism. And it's demonic. There is objective truth. And the Bible is objective truth. And so you've got to guard yourself. You've got to guard yourself. Because I'll tell you, I heard a minister say this one time. I've said it multiple times on the broadcast. When God wants to bless you, he'll send a person into your life. But when the devil wants to curse you, he'll send a person into your life. It's the same method with two different outcomes. Same method, two different outcomes. And so you've got to fiercely, let me tell you, all the people that I've seen explode in growth, explode in success, explode in their purpose, are people that choose very carefully who's around them and whose voice they listen to. Whose voice, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about God or the Word, I'm talking about humans, whose voice they listen to. Relationships can make you or break you. Bad company corrupts good character, the Bible says. Bad company corrupts good character. God has a plan for you to increase exponentially. He has a plan for you to uh, expand and, and, and be blessed to increase you. That's why I'm doing this this week. I know that God has a plan in this year of divine possession where we'll do what we've never done, we'll have what we, we've never had, we'll go where we've never gone. More this year than ever before. God wants us to see that. 
Now, if other people don't want to latch onto that, that's their business. They don't want to, they don't have to. But we are. We are going to have divine possession. We are going to go where we've never gone. We are going to do what we've never done. We are going to have what we've never had in Jesus' name. And many people, that's already begun. We're getting testimonies. They're having what they've never had. They're doing what they've never done. They're going where they've never gone. Doors are opening up. And that's going to be our story throughout this entire year in Jesus' name. And so we're not going to, we're not moving back. We're not falling back. And if others don't want it, listen, that's their business. We want it. We want it. God has a plan to bless you abundantly. Father, I pray for every person right now that's been watching. Maybe they're watching the replay. Maybe they're listening on the podcast. I ask you today, let this word get so in their spirit that they become so dissatisfied with staying in the same place, maintenance mode, stagnant, that they know I've got to move forward. I've got to increase. Let them clearly hear your voice. Let them clearly hear your instructions. Give them a boldness, open doors for them and strengthen them to run like they never have in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that your anointing is going out ahead of us and that you are showing us which way to go for we've not been this way before. Hallelujah. We've not been this way before. And so, Lord, I give you praise and glory and thanks for what you're doing in the Victory Tribe. Bless us abundantly. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you honor. We give you glory. If you believe it, somebody shout amen. Throw some fire up. Throw some hands up. <laughs> you know you're standing with me today. Glory to God. Listen, here's what I'm offering those uh, as our way of saying thank you. For those that are sowing $1,000 this month, we have three gifts that we want to put in your hands. Dr. Rodney's book on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. Uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin's book on the triumphant church and the net study Bible. 60,000 translators notes. This is my favorite thing. I've got one right here at the desk uh, with me. This is full. Look at this. This thing is amazing. I mean, like just looking, I've learned so much. Now listen, here's what's crazy. I've been in the ministry now for 20 years plus. I've also been around the ministry and serving the Lord since I was five, but around the ministry since I was born. I've learned so many things in the past two years from the notes that are provided in this net Bible, that it's blowing my mind. That's why I started to say to people that this is one of the greatest gifts given to the body of Christ in probably the last 100 to 200 years. And I'm, I'm serious about that because this has never been done before. This has never been done before where there was pure transparency uh, from the translators of the Bible from Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew into English as to why they did what they did, uh, background information, historical information, text information. Amazing. This is an amazing tool. We want to bless you. Those that are, those that are sowing $1,000 or more, those three things we're going to send to you. And of course, for those that are sowing two fifty dollars or more, we're going to include those two books as our way of uh, saying thank you. If you want to receive these, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, fill out the form after you've sowed your seeds so that we know that uh, you've sown it and where we can send those gifts to is, is uh, our way of saying thank you. Nancy's asking, can you someone please accept my request for the private Bible study group on Facebook, I'm guessing. And so, yeah, we're daily we're going in and looking at that, Nancy, and uh, you'll get in very soon. We're going to do a, a, a question and answer. We're setting the date for that very 
very soon, and we'll, we'll make it known to everybody in the group. Um, Lawenda says, is that different from the New Living Translation Life Application? Very different, Lawenda. It's a very, very different uh, Bible, study Bible. The Life Application, which I also love, is, um, it is just that. It's, they're, in the notes, they're showing you how all of these scriptures could apply to your life in the current modern day. Whereas this is uh, more of a, a study tool in the, the background, the words, the phrases, the original languages. It, it makes it clear to you. Um, textuals, backgrounds, all these different things. It's so amazing. And then, of course, they did a full brand new tr- translation of the Bible called the New English Translation, which I also love. It's kind of somewhere between the New Living Translation and the ESV, kind of like an NIV would be. Uh, but it's great. It's very transparent. I love it. And uh, you guys will love it too. And so, yep, I love you. Love you, Luenda. We'll be back again tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Uh, we're continuing with this series, man. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I felt that strong in my, in my spirit when I, when I was preparing on, on Monday morning. I was just going to do a normal teaching, but I felt like there needs to be something tied in with what the Lord has spoken to us this year, how to take practical steps toward divine possession. And this is how to do it. Cameron said, does the Thompson chain stack up to that or is that system kind of dated? So again, Cameron, that's a different type um, of Bible. I have a Thompson chain reference Bible as well. But this, it's, it's not that it's a different system. It's just, it's a different type of Bible. These are notes provided by translators on why they translated it the way they did. And they give you all of the manuscript evidence, all of those different things, things we may not understand in 2022, cultural references, historical references. It's an excellent, excellent insight. And uh, so it's totally different uh, than the Thompson chain, but a very, very awesome resource. Um, Amen, Britt. Amen. Yeah, there's got to be a system. There's got to be a strategy. She said, I've been loving the practical side of learning. There's got to be a strategy. We're not just confessing divine possession. We're taking actual steps to see God move in our lives. So I'm very excited about it. We're going to continue in the morning, uh, 1030 a.m. I love you guys so much. Have a wonderful and a phenomenal day. And I'll talk to you again very soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.